Hello and welcome to another Sunday Post Politics podcast. Um, broadcasting in my baffies again this week, uh, not for a change because MPs have all left Westminster, um, but because I have, because I'm going off to Scotland for the Holyrood elections. Uh, consequently, recording this a little bit earlier in the week, and consequently, I'm joined again by the usual team: uh, John Walker, political ed for the Birmingham Mail and the Birmingham Post. Hello. Hello. And inevitably, by my fan, Serena Cowdy is here again, uh, because she is now not just my fan, she's now a top political journalist for The House magazine. Hello, hello. And we will talk about what you've been up to in that role later on in the podcast. Um, but, as I say, it's an election week, so let's start with elections. Uh, we've got, this is like the first time there's been elections in the whole country, but it's not a referendum or a general election, I believe. Because we've got Scottish elections for Hollywood, we've got Welsh elections, we've got London Mayor, we've got some local councils, and the key for it being English-wide anyway is the Police and Crime Commissioner elections as well. Um, Are any of these... Northern Ireland elections. Have we? I was going to just ignore that because I don't really know. (laughs) I'm just trying to avoid it. Well, there we go. Well done. offending anyone in Northern Ireland. We are listening with Excellent knowledge. Um, right, which of these, uh, John, which one's the most important? Ah, uh, well, most important, uh, politically, probably London. Yeah. Uh, because uh, is, it, Labour, is it, or are you just a London bubble man? No, I'm not a London bubble man. Labour is probably going to win London. Yeah. And this may save Mr Corbyn's bacon, even though, as you quite rightly allude to, uh, most of the country, I think, probably doesn't care that much who becomes mayor of London. But for the Labour Party and for the media... It's seen as a, a big deal. It is a media thing, though, isn't it? Yeah. Because you know, I just listed a whole load of elections, and really, the London Mayor doesn't have a huge amount of power. But symbolically, it's big because because it's in London. Right? It is. It is, and it's a big job, and the, it's the biggest sort of single personal election that's going to be elected this time around. And it also crystallises a lot of issues which have been really high profile in the press more generally. So. The issues around Islamophobia, yeah. anti-Semitism, all the sort of stuff that's been right top top headlining. Um. Well, yeah, this is because we've got Sadiq Khan is the Labour candidate and Zach Goldsmith is the Tory candidate and it's a two-horse race. Yeah, really. and it's a, been a pretty dirty two-horse well, race. Has it been a dirty two-horse race? I mean, Zach has been dirty. Certainly Zach's team have been pretty filthy. I mean, most recently with this extremely unsavoury article yesterday yeah. suggesting that um, it's sort of hinting that if, more than a hint perhaps that if you vote for Khan then buses will get blown up well it wasn't yeah it wasn't a subtle hint was it there was no. a big picture of the 7-7 bus yeah. with its roof blown off yeah um, so that was pretty dirty uh, I but think has Khan been dirty? I think it's definitely got worse I don't think Khan's got to that level but he I remember earlier on in the campaign he was being personal not in a necessarily in a uh, about Zach's beliefs, but yeah. I seem to remember there was a whole poster put out by the Khan campaign around, oh, did everyone know Zach's real name? And implying that made it, it was a strange know, real name. But and it's not, it's Frank, isn't it? Frank, yeah. Yeah, so it what was. we learned from the Huffington Post, that, that's a rubbish, that makes him seem more normal. Yeah, but it was all about Zach personally, Zach's name, Zach's family background, the fact that Zach never had a real job, because this was all, all implied or said, yeah. was, that it was all, he was ill fit to be mayor because of his background which I think is also 
um, pretty unsavoury. It's not the same though. I mean, I think it's not the same. They, they were taken in for being very rich, I think, and that may or may not be the right thing to do. But it's very different to the attack on Sadiq Khan, which is quite a blatant attack on him for being um, a Muslim. That's what they're getting at when they suggest that he's linked to extremism. In fact, he's a, a feminist, a, a gay rights campaigner, a, a moderate on foreign issues, on, on Israel and Palestine issues. He is the exact opposite of an extremist. I think it's been a really dirty campaign by the Tories and uh, quite a despicable campaign. But I, I think agree, the Tories definitely have been worse. Yeah, I think on, on that one. But the thing is, of course, we're talking about it because, as you say, the Labour might actually win that one. Whereas, yes. I mean, in, in that sense, it's interesting, but it's only interesting because they're going to lose all the other ones. So that's why it becomes interesting, right? Because local councils are going to be, we think, bad. They're going to lose seats. Yes, they're going to lose it. Maybe not a lot of seats, but you'd expect them to win. The opposition yeah. party at this stage should be making gains and not losing. And then we've got Wales, which I'm not really no, Wales, sure they, yeah, Wales, there, but Labour said, should win in Wales. They've said that it could be a really bad performance for yeah. Labour relative to previous yeah. uh, elections since devolution, I think, is the general Well, you've got the Kippers coming Wales. in Wales, which is this bizarre yeah. UKIP surge in Wales, which I have no understanding of whatsoever, so I won't talk about it. Uh, and then there's Scotland, where I'm going. Um, and uh, Labour are going to do appallingly badly. Um, possibly come third do we think they're going to come third I think they're just going to swing second I think there's a lot of um, the Tories are making a lot of Ruth Davidson personally it's very Ruth focused campaign I think that's right that's the right approach she's very charismatic she's very modern for a Scottish Tory leader Um, she's very good at photo shoots sitting on Buffalo Uh, that literally happened Um, but um, I think ultimately she on her own is not going to be enough to detoxify the Tory brand in Scotland sufficiently for them to come second. Well, it'd be interesting to see what I mean. There's paper, there's the paperwork, there's leaflets and stuff going out, being shared on Twitter today uh, that don't mention the Scottish Conservatives. Yeah. They all, the, the party is essentially called Ruth Davidson for strong opposition or something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's not mentioning the Tories at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a really boring election, basically, isn't it? Because the Nats are going to win. We know that. Well, I think what particularly was slightly depressing about the the last Scottish leaders debate, which was yesterday, was there was a huge focus on a second referendum. And I don't often say this, but I think Willie Rennie got the biggest cheer of the evening. Essentially, well, good. yeah, good for him. I mean, you know, that, that's not a party political point. He's a lovely man. <laughs> He's a big smiley genial chap he is and he goes around hugging animals a lot which he means does. I like him he does. but um, yeah he got the biggest show of the night basically for saying look can everyone stop banging on about a second referendum yeah well and then today they all kicked off about it again on the Today programme um, right before we move on to talk about the next thing uh, my babysitter's outside not not my personal babysitter but my babysitter who's going to allow us to all go to the pub after I finish recording this so I'm just going to pause this podcast and then we'll come back uh, when you're listening to it, it'll be like a second, but uh, uh, just so you know if there's a, a weirdness in the middle of the podcast. He's weird. He's got a beard. How long till he disappears? Uh, yeah, we're back. Back with a little jingle. What do you think of that, eh? I'm speechless. Um, that, was, uh, <laughs> that was smooth, wasn't it? Come on, that was smooth. Um, but the reason I played the Jeremy Corbyn 
jingle, I know the reason I'm leaning across my kitchen to put my jingle machine away, um, is because we're talking about these elections and how they will impact on Corbyn's uh, survivability. I mean, we're talking about Scotland. Mm. Labour are going to do badly, we know that. Though. Even if they come second, they're going to lose a lot of seats. Yet, bizarrely, London is the one that's going to make or break him. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, has he just given up on Scotland? What's <laughs> Well, he I mean, should. Scotland should be a Labour heartland, right? He was going to go to Scotland once a month after he became leader. Yeah. And he's um, been up once for, during the entire campaign, as far as I'm aware. Well, what his supporters said during the Labour leadership campaign when he was standing for leader was that if you got somebody like Jeremy Corbyn in, who was genuinely anti-austerity, yeah. then he would win back votes in Scotland yeah. and lead a, a Labour revival in Scotland. It doesn't seem to have come true. And, I mean, I get the impression, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, but expectations seem to be so low that even coming a very poor second as opposed to coming third would almost oh, yeah. seem like a, a, a victory of some, some kind for Labour yeah, in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, as you say, that's a bizarre thing, wasn't it? Mm. Some people actually believed that this left-wing rhetoric was actually going to win votes, and it turns yes. out Scottish people aren't actually that left-wing at all, and they just like the SNP. But to be fair, reason. the SNP found that out a long time ago, and the SNP isn't that left-wing either. No, they, they, give it all, they, they talk the talk, but they, they don't talk the talk. walk. Let's be, exactly. let's, I don't think that's rhetoric. controversial. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Jeremy Corbyn, the, the perennial question, how long till he's disappeared? Well, nobody knows, but I, I don't think he's going to oh, go okay, anywhere. No, nobody Not knows, but that's he, why uh, I'm asking you, John. You well, must I'm, know. I'm telling you that I don't believe that there will be a, a move against him. He may go... If he chooses to stand down, if he decides that he doesn't want to see it through to 2020, yeah. I don't think they can get rid of him. If they did get rid of him, he'd almost certainly be able to stand again in any uh, second Labour leadership election and win. And if, if the party tried, if the MPs tried to engineer a situation, which is their only real hope of get forcing a leadership contest and making sure that he's not on the ballot paper. Mm. I think their uh, members would rebel. I think they'd yeah, get into awful trouble with the uh, wider party. Uh, how long did he disappeared? Well, I think I feel like we had this conversation last year and I gave mm. him 18 months. Ooh, from... Was that the last time we did this in my mm. kitchen? Which I was end like, November. I feel like I gave him 18 months from being elected and I'm sticking by that. Oh, OK, so that means he's got about a year to go. Yeah. Roughly, no, slightly I less. I think he's got a year. Mm, and I okay. think it won't be Scotland that floors him. Well, he's going to be saved by the European referendum, isn't he, in a way? Yes. And in these elections, if they were really bad, he could be in trouble. But his party, nobody's going to move against him with that referendum in a few weeks, right? Yeah, I think you're right. I think, for what it's worth, I my prediction is we are going to vote to remain by quite a long margin. A long I don't margin. think it's going to be close. Ooh. Yeah, I've been predicting that for months, so I'm okay. going to look like a... Bonker. Well, wait and see. If you're Let's right about see. that, and then you're right about Corbyn, then your star will will rise further. Um, yeah, well done, David Cameron and his amazing European referendum. He <laughs> saved Jeremy Corbyn as well. It's, it's quite a thing, this European referendum, with its uh, unintended consequences. You know, the Tories have had a series of disasters. They're completely divided over Europe. Yeah. They've made terrible mistakes in the budget. Yeah. Um, they're facing rebellions from their own MPs over issues in the past, like... Uh, payments for people with disabilities, yeah. uh, tax credits. It should be open season for Labour. Yeah. They should be beating the uh, beating the, the living hell out of them, but it's just not happening. No, uh, you can read a column about that today, Monday, or, you know, because it's on the internet, it'll be there forever, that I wrote yeah. saying exactly the same thing, which is 
uh, the, the main opposition is coming from within the Tory party. Yeah. Because Labour is a shambles and they have been spectacularly shambolic over the mm. last seven days. And yet again at PMQs, the latest PMQs was an example of Angus Robertson being better than Jeremy Corbyn. Um, yes, but to be fair, you know... That's not hard, is yeah, what you're trying to I'm say. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what, <laughs> what you could have put up that would possibly not be better than Jeremy Corbyn. Even if you put up you know, a ventriloquist dummy without the ventriloquist, it would have been better than Jeremy Corbyn last Although, week. Although, actually, the person who was even better than uh, Angus Robertson was Yvette Cooper. This is true. Who yes. suddenly was incredibly charismatic and got her point across ten times better than anyone else. I think too yes. far. I'm just charismatic. I don't, don't take it too far. Uh, <laughs> but there you go. That is a good point. You lead me on to my next little discussion, if you like. I don't really want to get involved with Labour's anti-Semitism woes because it is complicated and if this podcast is anything it is not complicated um, but uh, as you say Yvette Cooper and her uh, um, well just normal humanity that she came out with yeah. because you are leading the charge to convince the public not actually to convince the public because you're writing for the House magazine which is only read by other politicians not to, to convince <laughs> politicians, well you're not writing for it anymore No, it's read by everybody oh. it's read. So That didn't last very long um, You're going back strange. to just being my fan again um, uh, You're doing a series on the humanity of politicians, essentially talking about everything but politics Yes, This exactly. started with Ian Murray who revealed that he wet himself on a bus and only has one spoon that is the short of it. So yeah, I'm doing a series uh, called Unparliamentary Language, which every week interviews a different MP, and the only thing they're not allowed to talk about is politics. Yeah. So I ask them lots of honest questions about their emotional hinterland, I'm calling it. Oh, nice. Um, and they answer them as honestly as possible. And yep, this week, the first one was published. It was Ian Murray, who of course is the only Scottish Labour politician MP it left. Did, yeah. And um, the Shadow Scotland Secretary, as a result of that. And um, he was brilliantly honest. And actually, when I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago, I thought to myself, wow, that's quite punchy and honest. I wonder how that's going to come across. And actually, um, he has got really good feedback from it, apparently. Everyone thinks it's it's great that he's been human and and funny and honest and a little bit irreverent. So Yeah, it's... um and he only owns one teaspoon. Is the short version? Yes, of the that was. A bit, that was. I mean, that's got to be a lie. I, I will go out there and I will accuse Ian Murray of lying. He must have well on one. You can't not have. He two lives flats. In, he, exactly. He lives in two places. I think his exact words were two flats, one teaspoon. Why do you need seventy-five teaspoons? They were. I mean, you don't need seventy-five. I mean, classic. There you go. Classic politician. What aboutery? Nobody was suggesting you need seventy-five teaspoons. Just two. That's all. One in each place. Um, he also revealed that his first car had a manual choke, and you were at least brave enough to go, what's a manual choke? Yeah, and the good news what's is... What's wrong he, with you? He didn't young know what people, it was either. Flipping young people. <laughs> I had a manual choke on my first car as well. And like him, I used to keep flooding the engine because I didn't really know what the point of it was. Um, a, John, have you got an emotional hinterland? An emotional hinterland? <laughs> I don't know, that's what Serena says it's called. Have you got an emotional hinterland? I'm sure I do. I don't, yeah. I don't go there very often. Um, do you uh, do you think I mean you know do you think MPs should be more human? I mean the thing is there was a certain amount of surprise that oh look Ian Murray's actually just a man it turns out and quite yes. a funny nice man you know. Well they all should, are. Should MPs do more? Well, exactly. Should they do more of that sort of stuff? Actually I shouldn't say they all are because they're not. <laughs> one one or two of them are rather like robots, but most of yeah. them are um, quite human. But I mean ultimately 
um, there's a there's a limit to. Uh, I mean, what we're most interested in, I'm afraid, is probably the boring stuff. They're not celebrities. Although, having said that, sometimes it is interesting to find out um, what type of people they really are. Yeah, I, I would suggest, I mean, the, the lesson from Ian Murray is, you know, there's a lot of MPs who would not feel comfortable doing that. Yes. But the lesson is, take a risk, and it doesn't have to be a risk, because if you are normal, you'll come across as normal. Yeah. Uh, and people will go, oh, he's normal. And in politics, that's just a good, you know, just normal is actually a good thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think for, for those of us who work at Westminster and who know these MPs, we know that they're normal. Yeah. But there probably are people who don't ever see them apart from on question time, apart from yeah, yeah. being interviewed by Andrew Marr, who it may come as a surprise. So it's probably a very good thing to let people know what they really like. Which of your Birmingham MPs has the best emotional hinterland? Emotional hinterland. Well, um, we do have Jess Phillips. Oh, yes. Yardley, She's who, very emotional. Very emotional. Very uh, straightforward, blunt speaking, very honest. Um, actually, she was speaking in the House of Commons this week about her son who... Um, she says she's waiting to be diagnosed and believes her son has um, autism. Um, so she was speaking about a very personal, yes. personal thing. She also said that uh, Kylo Ren out of Star Wars might be autistic, which I thought was a bit... Yeah. Yes. Kylo, Kylo Ren's like really horrible. I mean, you know, <laughs> that was a bit, a bit risky, but I see what she's trying to do, being yes. all human and doing the uh, you know, um, popular culture references. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I get that. Um, yeah, you're gonna have Jess Phillips on your your on parliamentary language series. You should. She'll tell you amazing Yeah, stuff. I probably should. Yeah, yeah. I've oh, got. Um, be good. I've got quite a few coming up. Uh, so next. Are you allowed to tell us who? Next one to be published, I can tell you, it's Drew Hendry, SNP. Is he interesting? He was. I mean, he's a very nice man. He wasn't. But I bet he's never wet himself on a bus. I think you're. Fair to say, you're right that he apparently has never wet himself on a bus. Uh, but he told me to, and he's actually got a very surprising talent. Which people oh, go on, tell us. Give us an exclusive. Wait and read in oh, the article. <laughs> whoa, whoa, what sort of talent could Drew Hendry have? Like can, can you say it? Are you allowed to say what his talent is? Is it, is it rude? It's not going to be. Don't watch it. It's not that scary. Yeah. No. Uh, okay, <laughs> no, I'm just, just asking. You dirty man with your emotion. You've, got, you've oh. got a dirty emotional hinterland you have. I, I, I don't know what it is. First thing you think of his talent is going to be X rated. <laughs> I don't want to go near your emotional hinterland. You, you keep well out of it, yeah. It was just a surprising talent, so. Uh, oh, I, maybe I but do I know this I know Drew quite well oh, I know quite well but uh, alright well, I'll guess off air uh, there you go get in contact if you want to guess Drew Hendry's interesting talent uh, contact us and also get in touch if you want to do the next interview and if you're an MP <laughs> if you're an MP and I'll put you on the list ok there you go Jess Phillips I know you listen uh, I know you don't really um, yeah I I the other thing about MPs being human is, I think one of the, the sadnesses is, speaking as a man who spent a good chunk of yesterday drinking with an ex-MP, is you only actually discover they're human after they get defeated. Oh, There's so a lot like that. I mean, you know, you're mm. Michael Patillo, if you like, is the classic example of everyone thought he was a stuck-up Tory, he got beat, and then now he's, he's the fun guy on the politics programmes. Can happen to an extent when someone has a senior job as a minister, a cabinet minister, maybe, yeah. and they get demoted to the back benches. Yeah. So they're still in politics, but sometimes then all of a sudden they turn into more of a. You think you give anyone in particular there, John? Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to name names. <laughs> oh, go on. I know um, who you're talking about. Uh, one right honourable member for Birmingham Hot Hill. No, no, no. no I wasn't. I was thinking of um, Andrew Mitchell. 
who oh, went to Rachel. Glastonbury last year, didn't he? And oh, he went to, yeah. And he goes, you know, all this sort of stuff that you get, and you would have had him. He's the man who obviously got himself in a spot of bother for being terribly stuck up, allegedly being Well, rude. he got himself in a spot of bother for being far well, too he, human, I think. Well, I think maybe, but... A, a row with a, a police officer who was giving, giving him a hard time. Yeah, all right, but there was people projected what they wanted to think of as a... They stuck up Tory onto that. Yes. And then it turns out he goes to Glastonbury and hangs out and has a lovely time, and you just wouldn't think that of him. As a man, you would—he was—you wouldn't think many top Tories go to Glastonbury. Actually, well, maybe not. He's he's very—he's very sort of Cameronite, really, to to go to Glastonbury and um, hang out. Yeah, but I mean, there's people like that, isn't there? But I say once they're defeated, or once they've—you sort of feel like, why can't they be more human while they are in office? In office, I'd say that's definitely one of the many scourges of the Labour Party at the moment is that high-profile Labour people seem to get a lot better once they're not high-profile anymore. Um, Gordon Brown kept saving things since he wasn't PM. Oh, I know. Hang on. He saved the world when he was PM. No, he did genuinely save it. He he boasted in the House of Commons that he saved the world and everybody laughed, but it was true. Yeah, whatever that noise was that was aimed at (laughs) one of the best Prime Ministers this country's ever had. No, look, I love Gordon Brown, but I'm just saying I think... Oh, you changed him from a a squeak, squeaking at him, and now you go and you love him. Come on, make that your one. I I wish he'd brought a bit more of the passion and the um, charisma of the whole Saving the Union to the many occasions where he just looked grumpy when he was actually Prime Minister. Yeah. Um, And I'd say the other person off the top of my head immediately is... Ed Miliband is a lot funnier on Twitter. Yes. Now he's manning his own Twitter. Oh, yes, that's true. I don't think I follow Ed Miliband on Twitter. You should, he's funny. Oh, it's a classic, oh, yeah. but it is exactly that, isn't it? It's a classic. Well, why weren't you doing this when you were in office and yeah. people would have thought you were normal? Mm. I mean, that's, you know, kind of to come back to the Scottish election, that's one of the differences about Scottish politics is the leaders are very human. I mean, Nicola Sturgeon, everyone in Scotland has had a selfie. I think that's like some sort of law there now that you have to have a selfie with Nicola Sturgeon. And as you say, Ruth Davidson rides Buffalo. And have you had a selfie with Nicola Sturgeon? <laughs> no, I have not. But then, oh, you, you know, I don't live in Scotland. So, well, we'll see this week. Maybe this might be my last opportunity when I'm there at the end of the week. Um, What's this about? Uh, I read there and moves to try to convince Ruth Davidson to um, come down to Westminster. Well, yeah, um, I think I, I'll project if the Tories come third, there will be a lot of talk of Ruth has taken the Tories as far as she can in Scotland. Let's get her to Westminster because she is a classic Cameroon. Mm. I mean, you know, not she hasn't signed up, but she just fits the mo- the model. And given George Osborne's a bit rubbish these days, and Boris Johnson seems to be blowing up in slow motion over the European referendum. Yeah. The the battle to decide who's going to replace Cameron. There is, I think, a faction casting around for a uh, a dark horse. Ah, interesting, and yeah. she would fit... I think it's extremely unlikely. The logistics of getting her to Westminster anytime soon mm-hmm. are very difficult. I think that's what's going to mitigate against it. And to be fair, she says she's committed to Scotland and she's doing a good job there and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, if they come third... In a way, it won't reflect badly on her. It will actually increase the calls for her to come to Westminster and lead the party yeah. <laughs> nationwide. Strangely, um, but that remains to be seen. Doesn't it? We will wait and see what we've got um, in the elections. Uh, are we all excited about a Thursday night election night? Yeah. Wow, that was pretty. <laughs> that was a massive endorsement. Um, I'm covering all the. Um, breaking results on the Friday so I right. would like to have some sleep oh you've got mm-hmm. yeah yeah this is um, what I've got from the Sunday yeah. you know 
you should, we ought to go to sleep on Thursday night, but it's yeah. election night. I know, exciting. that was my, Did that, last year. that was my noise, because I would love to be staying up all night on Thursday night, uh, and I probably will, but then I've still got to have half a brain to cover it all on Friday. Yeah, um, I've managed to put myself into a hotel in Edinburgh, which uh, doesn't have a telly, I believe. So yeah. I suddenly realised, hang on, I can't watch election night. So if anybody's having an election night party in Edinburgh, tell me, or invite me, don't just tell me, or you can tell me and I'll crash it, or invite me would be a nicer way to do it. Um, I've already contacted one of the PR companies going, are you having, having some sort of do that I can crash? Are, no. the, are the Scottish results actually counted overnight? Do you have to wait till the next day? Uh, no, they are counted overnight, but um, because of the nature of the system, because it's a PR, mm. PR system, you won't get a final result until quite late on the day and because of the geography you know the highlands and islands seats take a while to to get them all together you won't get a final result until uh probably late on friday afternoon okay but especially this year i think we'll know very early on what is going to happen i think it'll be pretty clear and because the the smb are going to win so many constituency seats and they're actually the sort of easy ones there once they're counted out and then they do the calculation for the lists i think what will be um interesting or exciting this year and despite my earlier comment that I don't think there'll be a a move against uh, Jeremy Corbyn we will all be waiting to see what happens I mean on the Friday probably even Thursday night will Mm. we see Labour MPs beginning to start just on Twitter maybe or going to the TV studio saying something has to happen it'll be like um, when Purnell resigned Mm. that election night to try and get rid of Gordon Brown wasn't it and then yeah. Nobody else went with him, was it? David Miller had bottled it, like, didn't it? And Fennell ended up looking like a right Wally. And now he's running the BBC. Um, what a Wally he was, yeah. Um, lucky him. Right, uh, well, uh, let's all look forward to Thursday night. Are you excited about the Police and Crown Commissioner elections? Is that what no, you've got in Birmingham? Absolutely not. Really we, do, we do have them, but uh, we have local council elections oh, okay. in the big cities oh, well, all across exciting. England. Um, and I'm not sure about Wales, but uh, that's going to be interesting. Oh, well, that will be, yeah. Um, this time next year, I know you're interested in this, this time next year, we're going to have mayoral elections in all the, uh, well, a number of the big cities across England. Uh, this time next year, I probably won't be doing this job, so I won't care anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was you see my big announcement last week when I said this podcast was, was closing for business. I didn't explain that's because I'm going off to do a different job, not because I'm dying or anything like that. Um, in case anybody was worried. Nobody got in touch to suggest they were worried. So, um, so let's... Uh, the babysitter's here. We can go to the pub now and discuss all this in great detail, and Serena will tell us all sorts of secrets about uh, Drew Hendry's surprising talent. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> So I will uh, say thank you once again for joining me in my kitchen, uh, Serena Cody and John Walker. Thank you. Um, if you want to get in touch to uh, guess Drew Hendry's talent or uh, to invite me to an election party on Thursday, uh, I am at Political Yeti on Twitter. Uh, it is uh, online at sundaypost.com. It's the email. Or you can find us on Facebook. And uh, tune in next week for another Sunday Post Politics podcast, at which, uh, as long as MPs are still in Westminster, the guest will be an MP with a surprising talent, actually, now I remember. Uh, So we'll find out then what his surprising talent is, if not before. So yeah, tune in next week for another Sunday Post Politics podcast. Thank you.